Welcome to another episode of the Indian Cycling Podcast, brought to you by the Bike Affair. I'm your host Harsha. Hi, this is Gokul, your co-host. Today we will be talking to Krish Basu about the upcoming tours organized by the Bike Affair. But before we do that, uh, we'll be answering a, a listener question, which we got uh, as part of the "Too Embarrassed to Ask" segment. Even before we start on that, I want to ask a question to Gokul. Gokul, hmm. what is better than uh, winning a KOM? A QOM. <laughs> now, uh, what is better than winning a KOM is <laughs> is beating your own KOM. So I had a KOM on Monday, mm-hmm. and I did it in uh, two minute fourteen seconds. Mm-hmm. And the very next day, I broke it in uh, I broke it with uh, two minute five seconds. I I feel pretty awesome. I'm I'm just looking for people to really rub it into. Good, good. You you are rubbing it into some people, including <laughs> myself. I never had a KOM. It's okay, Google. You will reach my level. Don't worry. Sure, I'll try my best. So Akshay Patel sent us a question asking, "I'm pretty down on stamina these days. Is there a good way to re- revamp my stamina through certain training programs or maybe with a certain diet?" Uh, oh, that's a fantastic question. Uh, I'll try to answer that, but I'll have to uh, qualify saying that this is uh, definitely highly personal. It's somewhat like uh, uh, not, uh, googling for some uh, disease online and trying to get a uh, get a diagnosis. But still, I'll I'll try my best. So when when Akshay says, I know Akshay very well. He's a very very strong rider. He has had quite a few KOMs on the. Uh, movie towers here uh, oh. before he moved out of Hyderabad. I'll I'll compare notes with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so wh- when he says that uh, he is low on stamina, uh, and uh, very interestingly, he uh, ta- he sub subsequently added that whether there is something which he needs to do as part of his training program and a certain diet, I would start with something which is probably. Uh, more important and more likely to have caused the damage which is not covered in this in the sense that uh, uh, he has to probably look more into his uh, recovery uh, if I were to break down into a few possibilities uh, the first possibility is probably he is coming out of a, a, a period of very heavy uh, workload and he is uh, uh, Got done some bit of overtraining, and uh, as a result, the fatigue is uh, too high. One way to uh, kind of uh, wet this out is if he uses a program like Strava or Training Peaks. If he looks at his uh, training stress balance, it will give you uh, uh, the values. And uh, if he's been ca- capturing the data uh, uh, frequently, like I know what. Uh, I expect Akshay to do that and if the TSB is too much in the negative that's probably an indication uh, so he in which case uh, he needs to uh, go a little easier on the workouts and probably spend a little bit of even give a, give about a week's time of complete recovery uh, the other possibility that is that um, uh, he is not sleeping well enough or recovering you know, we are all going through this summer phase wherein uh, uh, the recovery is very uh, directly connected to uh, food uh, nutrition and hydration and rest so all these three are uh, um, affected in summer because 
obviously hydration is a big issue as well as uh, uh, if he if he is not sleeping enough so that is another aspect i would look at and the third aspect i would uh, look at is uh, so um, uh, in terms of recovery you should probably be looking at uh, a more holistic uh, nutritious complete uh, wholesome food as well as uh, focus on uh, recovery nutrition which is high on uh, um, proteins or its constituents like the bca um, that are available these days um, and the last part or the last possible if if he can rule out both these things and uh, the last uh, resort would be to kind of get a blood check because uh, very interestingly um, both uh, there have been quite a few occasions where uh, pros have gone through this phase where they have been very flat and over where uh, over uh, sustained periods and they have struggled to figure out what's happening so in fact uh, uh, chris from about whom we'll talk a little later today uh, suffered from this in his very first tour de france wherein he was uh, it was obviously very exciting for him to compete but uh, he was going through a very tough phase and a very flat uh, period and uh, he went back to his uh, home in uh, kenya and uh, uh, on insistence of his mother or uh, girlfriend he went and did a Uh, went to his local doctor and uh, when they did a blood test they found a virus in his system which is very specific to kenya oh. so if uh, even if he had got it done in uh, the united kingdom there is a very good possibility that they would not have even you know uh, looked for it in the, the system and then subsequently he uh, went through a process of getting it out of his system and is Uh, his numbers improved and significantly in fact the same thing has happened with mark cavendish over the last couple of seasons and in fact uh, he had a virus which uh, which kind of came back mm-hmm. he got done with it and then he was going through a very miserable phase he thought he was done with it but he was not recovering enough so he people even uh, started questioning that his days are done and uh, then when you did a further test and he found that it had come back into the system mm-hmm. and uh, and he has uh, talked about that as being one of the toughest uh, phases of his uh, racing career uh, i i i do seriously hope there is nothing so serious with action mm-hmm. but uh, uh, it's probably if those other two things if he can rule out uh, overtraining and if he is taking care of his nutrition probably that is a good thing to check out but it's also possible that uh, maybe he took a break for a few weeks and he's coming back into training and that sort of has there's also a psychological aspect right you true, kind true. of feel like you are not training well true so i mean the, that's the difficulty here of uh, trying to um, analyze a situation with just very limited information mm-hmm. and not being able to ask questions uh, um, so i mean these are the most common things but uh, what you said is also very po- possible and if that is the case what i would suggest is he goes back into uh, getting back into track using a simplistic uh, a process of doing more of long slow distances mm-hmm. uh, uh, going through a mini uh, base mile period wherein he doesn't bother too much about uh, uh, very high intensities staying on the lower uh, zone 2s and just getting uh, more miles under his saddle and building his stamina back mm-hmm. so uh, i'm glad that you brought that as well cool ah, that's a great question yeah it is a very detailed question and it was a tough question uh, i had to rack my brains uh, to f- make sure that i 
that I give a meaningful answer. So, so Akshay does win a, a small uh, goodie bag from us, mm. and uh, what better than some stuff from Fast and Up, which will help him recover. Oh, so cool. Fast so, and Up. So yeah. he will get a pack of reload of three different flavors of uh, twenty tablets each, and one bottle of recover. Oh, so four bottles. Uh, that this seems like a really good gift. This isn't one of those, uh, you know, gift cards which you'll have to buy. Yeah, in fact, I mean, uh, so this is a really good gift. Yeah, I, I kind of thought of the gift after <laughs> the same question, so I thought this will be more relevant, yeah, Akshay. Yeah. So, okay, Akshay, you won yourself a gift. Reach out to us uh, to collect this. So, uh, it has been a very sad week in cycling. Uh, uh, I was really pained to uh, hear about Chris Froome's accident. Uh, he was doing a recce of uh, the time trial segment and the uh, criterium do do funny. And uh, oh, I, I can I can tell you. Oh, okay, it's uh, criterium do do fun. The is like uh, Prince of Wales wow. in France. Okay, so he's like the next in line for the throne. I mean, they don't have a monarchy now, but that's how the comes. Great, great. So, yeah, welcome, Gopal. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, um, during uh, during the the last part of the recce of the time trial segment, uh, uh, Chris Froome on us was on a TT bike, and he was followed by a teammate and the team car. And uh, as uh, as silly as it may sound, he took uh, he he um, signaled to his teammate that he's going to take his hands off for a moment. To blow his nose, and uh, apparently there were, he just got a very nasty gust of uh, wind, which took off his front wheel and knocked him against a short wall, and he was doing close to 60 kilometers per hour. And uh, his teammate says that that was one of the worst things he has ever seen as in terms of an accident. Wow! And uh, he has broken pretty much everything that's possible on his right side, his uh, elbow, uh, the femur, which is. The biggest mm -hmm. bone on Even his uh, pelvic, pelvic. Yeah, pelvic. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's broken his pelvis. He has broken also got a few broken ribs. So I think he's still in ICU. Yeah. So so our thoughts remain with him. He's uh, whatever people may say. I think he's one of the um, greatest legends of cycling. Even when things. Uh, uh, when he hangs his boots and uh, I just hope that uh, uh, the doctors have said that he can come back uh, resume raising in about six months I hope that he does come back and has a very strong uh, tour in 2020 uh, and it does mean that 2019 Tour de France is going to uh, be much more open and uh, uh, there are going to be renewed hopes amongst the other teams. Uh, team Ineos hasn't had a great start. Their uh, prime guy for uh, Giro d'Italia was Egan Bernal, uh, who had broken his collarbone just before the Giro, and now this happens. So I, I guess now Egan is going to play a very significant role in uh, Jaron Thomas's take uh, at uh, reclaiming his throne. So. Let's see what happens, but I'm, uh, while this is all sad, I, the one small uh, positive thing is that it's going to be a much more open uh, uh, tour this time, hopefully, and uh, it's going to be more competitive this time. Yeah, so 
we do have some plans of doing some extra episodes uh, for the tour so if it's an open and uh, more competitive one so at least that will be good maybe a silver lining and a bad incident yeah. uh, now we move on to some more pleasant topics we will hear krish and me in conversation talking about the bike affair tours that are coming up touring on a cycle is a great experience i got a taste of it last year when i did the bike affairs horsley hills high which is a four day ride from kadathal which is just outside hyderabad to horsley hills covering about uh, 590 kilometers the person who organized that tour was none other than krish basu from the bike affair krish welcome back to the show thank you harsha for having me here yes i remember you wrote pretty well actually uh, that tour did you enjoy the tour there is something very zen about uh, giving yourself over to an activity like uh, riding all day it was almost like ride eat uh, sleep repeat of course on a group tour there are other people to talk to and you sometimes get to walk around the towns at night but the main focus is on the riding part you are right harsha uh, the hostel hills tour actually was designed that way as an endurance challenge but there could be other tours which we have more in which we have more time and isn't about riding and recovery i mean isn't just about riding and recovery so like in the last years mahanson uh, tour in thailand we trekked one of thailand's tallest caves we also took a half a day boat ride on river salawin that divides burma and northwestern thailand we stopped at waterfalls hot spring and chilled out at many coffee joints actually i can't I can't forget the coffee joints in Thailand they're <laughs> they're really they're really good you get hooked on to them very easily <laughs> uh one of the things i realized last year was uh, that while on ride uh my confidence actually grew as the days went by on day 1 i was definitely struggling with the climbs uh, near sri salem uh, especially since it was around uh, 140 kilometers and the biggest climb comes right at the end um uh, and sri salem hills hills are just brutal uh but by the last day i just felt stronger uh on the final uh, horsley hills climb even though that came at the end of 130 kilometers ride uh i was okay yeah actually the first day was really tough uh, not just for you but uh, must be for almost everybody so uh, we we did not 140 but about close to 170 kilometers and that had quite a bit of hills in it so um, that was really tough but um, looking at it from a different perspective uh, i think many of us find the first day or two a little tough because that's when we actually warm up into the ride and then start uh, getting better as the tour progresses for example i particularly i have seen that uh, in most of the tours uh, where i ride actually the third day is when i feel the strongest for me it was also about uh, slowing things down and uh, taking a minute to soak in the scenery i remember near sri salem we stopped at multiple points on the hill sections just to take in the valley and the rivers i was pretty tired from the long ride but it was quite remarkable what you see just by slowing things down yeah harsha that's the thing about cycling i mean particularly cycle touring you you can stop anywhere you want you can sit down and enjoy a view and it obviously because you are you are out there you can smell the fresh air you can you can smell the the earth from the last night's rain uh, 
you can have the breeze on your face and it's a completely different experience sitting and enjoying like what i mean is uh, getting out from a car and sitting down at a viewpoint is very different from riding a bicycle and you know, taking a breather at a viewpoint i also wanted to uh, bring another aspect of uh, cycle touring so you must have noticed that when we ride uh, uh, while we tour on bikes there are certain memories that actually get imbibed in our memory and those memories are much stronger and you you remember them much later uh, in your uh, in your life uh, unlike a car uh, journey or a two wheeler j- i mean motorbike journey these memories actually don't you don't uh, go away from you uh, do you relate to this asha yeah definitely um it's because you kind of you're you're more present in that moment True. just because you you well yeah you're riding and putting in your uh, physical effort but also correct. you're more aware of your surroundings correct and uh, one of the reasons is uh, not just your physical effort but your mind because cycling in in many ways is very close to meditation and uh, this is this is something that uh, i didn't realize before but i came across it in an article last year so one of the core things about meditation is a deep breathing and what happens when you go on a hard ride or a climb is you are actually breathing uh, deeper and longer and that actually puts you in a meditative zone and in that when you are in that zone this all the smaller experiences actually becomes more intense and uh, they they're actually much stronger than you you are kind of in a zone where a lot of other things get uh, cut off you don't you only listen and hear things that you actually want to listen and hear and because of which the experience is really intense so that is i think one of the core things about cycle touring which is difficult to replicate if you are in a car or motorbike I was uh, very much reminded of going on multi-day treks living in small hotels along the way somehow there's just more to see that way ah uh, very true actually uh, the difference is uh, so what you are uh, saying harsha is the fact that you are not staying at one particular place and every day you are moving to a different place uh, is that right harsha yeah 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 so um, uh, very true is the difference between trekking and uh, cycling could be is just that the um the places where you stay are further apart and the whole experience is to an extent similar uh, but i want to put one point uh, forward here that uh, choosing those places where you are going to stay actually has a big impact in in your ex- the tour experience um, so that is uh, that is one of the things i i put a lot of time to to find the right place i like places which have which have their own character and which uh, oozes out um, the the local culture and stuff like that for example i'll give you a, i'll give an example here so one of the places that um, we we found in uh, northern thailand that is uh, that is on the bank of a river there and they actually support a hill drive that grows coffee which is which is not far about about maybe 30 km from the resort is a hill drive uh, and they grow coffee locally so um, now we are used to seeing this uh, in all the typical hotels you will find uh, next to your bed you have the 
um, you have the um, table in which you ha- you get the sachets of mm. tea and coffee and sugar and you have the milk packets and then you have a water boiler kept there so what these guys do uh, and if you are a coffee lover you'll be able to appreciate they get the fresh coffee grounded i mean they get the beans from the local uh, the hill tribes and they ground it and give it to you in your room and they give you a f- uh, french press and obviously um, the water heater and you can make your own filter coffee i mean how cool is that yeah yeah it sounds really cool yeah, yeah. so these are the smaller things uh, but uh, when you see a place which is different from the other and which actually um, is connected to something local that brings in a different character to the stay so when i did the last tour it was about uh, taking up a challenge since uh, i hadn't done anything similar uh, you organized multiple tours uh, in india and abroad who is the typical rider coming to you is it someone uh, like me looking for a challenge or maybe someone uh, who thinks of this as a preparation for a triathlon or a much bigger fitness event yeah i think not uh, not for triathlon but we we do get both kind of riders riders who take up cycling as a challenge uh, for example the hostler hills was something that was uh, we developed the tour as uh, as as a challenge and we had the mahamsong ride last year in december which was also a challenge i mean it was an insane 13000 meters of climbing over 7 days of riding uh, but um, over a period of time i also realized that there are people who who want to experience cycling and just enjoy and not look at it as a challenge they just love cycling they want to go out and ride at the end of the day they want their beer they want to <laughs> and chilled beer of course <laughs> <laughs> so um so now this year we have some tools also for them so we are trying to cater to both categories uh so give us a sense of the uh, logistics Uh, that goes into coming up with a ride plan besides uh, identifying places to stop for uh, lunch and dinner uh, although that is a big part of it uh, when you are riding for 120 plus kilometers uh, over a certain number of days so uh, are you looking uh, i mean do you mean logistics during the ride or uh, during the ride yeah or the before the like planning the event hmm yeah both uh, in a sense okay. yeah so for me during the ride it's much simpler mm-hmm. it is uh, coming up with the details of the ride and uh, planning the event is what uh, takes time mm-hmm. so initially uh, the first we need to keep in mind that uh, we need to understand what is the tour all about so is it about like a, like you talked about uh, a challenge is it going to be a challenge uh, is it going to be a lot of climbing or is it going to be a chilled out tour is it going to be about some scenic locations so so we need to know a little bit about what uh, what is the tour all about and once we know what is it about then we start working on the route so i am very particular that i don't want any highways in the uh, in the route and we i want to include only the village roads the nicer roads uh, and that takes me quite a few rakes and then um, we walk on the accommodation and then uh, we walk at the places to eat on the way so again in accommodation we try to figure out uh, accommodations uh, which has uh, some character in it so then like uh, uh, not not like the typical hotels but preferably a little smaller hotel which has um, uh, which has some 
cultural or some local relevance to it um the the last part is actually the experience so uh, we try to um, i mean we try to include as much as the cultural and the historical uh, um, and the other specialities of that place so for me like two um, two particular cities or countries it is the people the culture the history that differentiates them not so much about of just the scenery because everywhere you have beaches you have mountains you have road they may differ a little but at the end of the day they are still the same so what makes the places different is are the people the culture the history and and the cuisine as well the food mm-hmm. so uh, to include that those those aspects into the ride is what is going to make the ride special for me mm-hmm. so one of the givens uh, in a tour organized by you is that uh, we get to eat some of the hidden treasures which uh, even locals might not know and uh, routes which avoid the traffic and uh, ride through countryside roads uh, how do you manage that and i want to bring up here uh, the the best chicken curry i ate ever so while on the way to sri salem uh, we stopped over at this really small it, it's not even a hotel really it's more of a hut with a few tables yeah they used to make food only on order yeah and uh, i think you brought the chicken for that yeah. guy to cook and after climbing uh, we were still halfway through and after climbing that distance that food was the best food i ever ate it was just white rice and chicken curry and i i'm pretty sure i ate almost half a kilo of chicken that day <laughs> yeah i think the like food is very close to me and so this route so it comes very naturally i don't need to try try hard to find a good road and i don't need to try hard to find a good place to eat so for me the the fact that i don't like riding on the highways i and i end up going into the smaller roads anyhow and then once i am on to those roads my road rake also becomes a food rake i keep stopping at the smaller places to eat uh, to check out the quality of the food and once i have done a few rakes i know all the best places to eat there <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about the upcoming tours that you are organizing so um, this year we have uh, four different routes and um, one of the route is repeated twice so we have two of those which is a northern thailand which is happens at the end of it but we start the season with the eastern ghat trip which is uh, which is a five days tour which starts from uh, bhadrachalam and we take some interior roads and we go through marad middle and then uh, paderu and arakku and the end the ride at vaisak it's a five days and we cover about uh, close to 600 kilometers um so this is there uh, we are having it at the end of august it starts on 31st august and uh, and it ends on 4th of september uh so this is suitable for somebody who likes to ride hard uh, enjoys hills and enjoys riding a road bike and then we have the vietnam tour uh, not very far from this the the eastern ghat trip so the vietnam tour is in the middle of september and then we yeah, and the vietnam tour is uh, slightly different from the uh, all the other tours we are doing in the fact that it's not a road bike tour 
and we do little bit of tar road, little bit of trails, a uh, little bit riding on the sand, a lot of interior road which are like broken surfaces. So we, uh, the ideal kind of bike would be a gravel bike or a mountain bike. Uh, this is a very exciting uh, tour because we completely go away from the tourist circuit and get into the very remote areas in Vietnam. Uh, even the local tourists don't go those places. It's like somebody who really loves nature and likes to get away and likes to, I mean, would look forward to seeing the real Vietnam. It is recommended for them. It's also not too hard a trip, uh, but there are days which are harder because we start from the coast and we we end up onto the hills and there are two or three days which is, has a little bit of elevation, but the views are going to be outstanding. Um, and then we have a couple of Thailand tour in December. One of them is... Uh, uh, the same one that we did last year is the Mayan Song, which is which is one of the most challenging rides that we have organized. It's thirteen thousand or close to thirteen thousand meters of climbing over six riding days this time. So, which is averages to more than two thousand meters a day. Uh, it's like one of those challenges that we were mentioning at the start of the uh, podcast. Uh, the speciality of the Mayan Song Loop is the the scenic beauty of the place. And of course, the food and the coffee and road. And the lastly, we have the other tour, which is the Northern Thailand tour, which is a mix of everything. So it's not as hard. Uh, it's more chilled out. There is a couple of days of hills thrown into it. But we also have a lot of days which are flatter. And we have, uh, we have time to explore a lot of other things during the tour. For example, we have a, um, we have a walk in one of the... Um, very historical town in northern Thailand, which is uh, uh, which used to be the capital of Thailand long back, and then uh, we have a boat ride in one of the rivers, uh, uh, one of the smaller rivers in the northern Thailand. Like, and we might even have a, uh, some canoeing um, there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting. So it's not much trouble if you if the tour starts from your hometown or somewhere near it. But otherwise, you'd have to dismantle your cycle and carry it in a box. Everyone I talk to is nervous about letting their cycle out of their sight. How do you handle that part? Yeah, we, we have to make a choice between riding on good roads and starting from home. So obviously, we do ride on home throughout the year. And you know, that's when we start riding from our house and go on rides over the weekends. Uh, but then if you really want good roads to ride on, uh, we need to get away from where we stay or move the house to where the good roads are. Mm. So uh, to, a, to the first timer, it looks a little difficult packing the bike, but uh, it's not so, so much of a difficulty and we help riders pack their bike. So, I mean, if they don't know or if they're not confident packing their bike, they can, of course come to the store and we can help them pack the bike. And when we are doing the tour, we have people to help them unpack the bike and pack it back towards the end of the tour. So Mm. it's not that big a problem. Mm. So Krish, you organized and uh, participated in rides in India and abroad. You must have noticed something about the riding culture in each country. What, What stands out for you? Uh, For me, I think it's the road safety. I mean, I have ridden on... The primarily two countries, uh, Thailand and Sri Lanka, while in Vietnam I have driven a two-wheeler but uh, not ridden a bicycle. 
with respect to Thailand and Sri Lanka is what I'm talking now, uh, is the safety, the road safety that stands out. Uh, the traffic is much more civilized, people follow traffic rules, you, um, you they, they wait for um, people at the zebra crossing or wait for cyclists to give, give them space. So uh, you kind of feel that you're, you're not, uh, you're safe on the road. Uh, the other uh, thing that I can uh, recollect is the absence of speed breakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, staying in Hy- uh, Hyderabad, uh, where we are bound to ride on ORR and we have a set of speed breakers every yeah. few minutes, it's a pleasant surprise uh, that in Sri Lanka, in our first tour in 2017, December, throughout the f- eight days of riding and about 700-odd kilometers, we encountered two speed breakers and the la- that two on the last day of riding and those are not the kind of speed breakers we have in India. It's like a gentle reminder to you to slow down um, because probably something is up there at a school or something. But um, yeah, even in Thailand, I don't recollect uh, having speed breakers. They have those uh, uh, those lines, you know, on the road, uh, which tells you to slow down a little. Ah, okay, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, some kind of a marker. Uh, some kind yeah. of a marker, which is probably a few mm-hmm. millimeters uh, higher than higher, the road surface. Yeah, yeah. So it gives you a little bit of uh, jerk, just as a reminder, but not yeah. really, uh, like, it's not forcing you to slow down, it's just reminding you that mm-hmm. you'll need to slow down. Right. Yeah, Hyderabad is legendary for these uh, speed breakers. You can barely go <laughs> 10 kilometers without finding one. <laughs> The other thing I, I should mention is the people there. So I found the people very friendly in both these countries, Sri Lanka and Thailand. And the thing that is remarkably different from India is people give you space. Mm. They really mm. don't come behind you asking why are you doing and where are you going uh, <laughs> and how much money you are getting to ride the bicycle. Yeah, that, that was one of the... <laughs> one of the more uh, bizarre aspects when we were doing this that every few kilometers some guy on a bike or a car would uh, would slow down beside you and say oh why are you doing this how are you how much are you getting paid to do this <laughs> yeah now first of all you have to tell them no 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 i'm not getting paid to do this so this and the second thing you have to tell them is look i'm actually putting a lot of pressure on my lungs so it's tough for me to talk uh, so I actually devised a, a method to get away from this. So what I would do is uh, I would just point to the guy who is ahead of me, the mm. guy on the cycle, and I would tell him, that guy is our tour leader. Why yes, don't you go to huh? that guy? <laughs> <laughs> of course. And it was always generally someone like Gautam Narne, and he was more than happy to answer questions. So it solved my problem. <laughs> Yeah, my. So I remember the, there was one guy who found out his smart answer, and that used to be, okay, we had... We are from army and we are training. Oh. So once you say that you are from army, it is almost like, oh, okay, you, you have to cycle. Yeah. So, yeah. so oh, at least okay, the conversation yeah. doesn't. Yeah, this, this is smart. And you can say this is like a covert mission. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in Thailand, actually, so uh, this, they see you, they wave at you, they say hi. and But they don't, uh, don't go beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it will come to India. It's just that we are not used to seeing yeah, yeah. too many cycling, uh, cyclists, I mean, tourists on cycle. Whereas those countries like Sri Lanka and Thailand, I see a lot of uh, people cycling around. So they are used to seeing people on cycle. And we are kind of, I think the cities like Hyderabad or any other place like Bangalore, how they used to be 10 years back, is not the same. Now they have 
they're they're okay to let people ride and not ask yeah. them why you yeah. are riding but in the villages that problem is there but it's okay i think over a period of time they'll get that answer like that answer will go down generations from the parents to the kids you know this is the reason the cycle and you yeah. don't need to ask them again yeah and also thailand uh, it's just a very touristy country uh, so they they do they are very polite and they sort of let you be they uh, don't uh, yes th- that's true but we don't ride on those uh, places which are ah, touristy okay. right okay. Um, yeah. because the right. whole point of cycling is to get away from the yeah. um, the the busy cities and the busy roads and get into the countryside yeah so, i generally found thai people to be very friendly and helpful yeah, also i think they are uh, the most uh, soft spoken people yeah, i have seen exactly uh, yeah. even in i'll like for, i'll give you an example like uh, when i go touring or when i have, have toured india on a bicycle at some point of time you will see somebody shouting on another guy even if it's not you it they may mm-hmm. be just talking but a thai people will never you'll not hear him shout shouting on another person mm-hmm. i have not not heard any thai guy while riding i have not heard any thai guy basically mm-hmm. if this talk probably they talk inside and i don't hear so it's like that you'll only hear if they talk to you otherwise no so you have done tours in uh, india sri lanka thailand and uh, you're going to do your tour in uh, vietnam can you tell us uh, which is your favorite country for riding and uh, tell us one unique thing about uh, riding in each of these countries so oh, oh, definitely thailand uh, is because of the quality of the food and the accommodation mm-hmm. So the thing about Thailand is even if you stop at the smallest of the places and eat uh, eat at one of this uh, roadside joints run by like a mom and pop place you will you will find the food at a minimum standard in terms of hygiene and taste mm. so that's what i like best about Thailand and same goes with respect to the accommodation so even if you stay at one of the smaller places they will still have a basic uh, um, quality in terms of cleanliness uh, or whatever uh, they offer like in, in sometimes in india they'll talk something and but what you what you receive or what you see is there there's going to be difference but not so much in thailand mm. so um, the, they maintain the, the the basics are still there irrespective of what you are eating or where you are staying um talking about um, what is the speciality of these places i think sri lanka movie i found some amazingly friendly people um, the country is beautiful to ride um it's a uh, it's a good mix of everything sri lanka so there are nice wildlife sanctuaries there are tea gardens um, so basically the we have sanctuaries all across sri lanka and the central highland which is the central part of sri lanka is where you have the hills mm. and the tea gardens the noara area yeah. and yeah. and hatton and other places so um, the weather uh, while you are um, we are not in the central highland it could be warm but once you are up into all those places the areas where you have the tea garden and coffee estates it's nice and cool and sometimes it can be really cold um so, and there is a lot of heritage like you have those buddhist ruins mm-hmm. and you have a lot of very old temples um uh, i know people uh, actually actually go back to track some of those ramayana uh remains yeah yeah so uh, there is there is a little bit of everything you have the sanctuaries you have those history history and culture and you have um, those hill stations and tea plantations a lot of um, tea plantations actually give you a chance to uh, to do some tea tasting so it's is something that you can seven days you can cover a lot uh, of different aspects uh northern thailand uh, uh i think the best thing about thailand is the quality of the road wherever you go uh, you'll find great roads 
very good people and and very good food uh, um the other thing about thailand is coffee so mm-hmm. thailand was not known for the coffee but over the last 10 years they have started growing lot of beans locally and they are getting better in that mm-hmm. and now you have it is coffee is becoming part of their culture and uh, particularly in northern thailand because the climate suits it because the northern thailand is not um, in the sea level it's there is in the mountains higher up and there are a uh, lot of uh, coffee plantation happening a little bit of tea also so that is uh, one thing about uh, thailand and uh, the other thing that i like about thailand is their night markets and the walking streets mm-hmm. which is a unique concept um, that they have implemented very nicely so what they do is in some of these uh, even remote places once a week or sometimes uh, uh, like almost every day in the evening they close down one part of the uh, city center uh, from the traffic and they call it walking street so you can't get your car there and they have the locals putting up stalls and they they could be handicraft it could be um, things to eat but most of them or almost everything is very local and like cooked by yeah, somebody there Uh, rather than like mm, cooked at home and getting sold there mm-hmm. so that's pretty cool and i like about it uh vietnam the thing about vietnam is it's very rustic uh, uh, i mean it is not always but it could be it could be very rustic and it could be very wild if you uh, are okay to get out of the main bigger cities like uh, ho chi minh city or hanoi or uh, even hoi an so if you get out of that into some of these areas uh, uh, there are a lot of those areas where um, where like tourists do not visit and you can actually see the the life of a, um, a hill tribe the way they walk the way they live and like you there is a chance uh, a, among the um, among the three countries like sri lanka vietnam and uh thailand i think thailand uh, vietnam is the least developed uh which means it doesn't mean the cities are least developed but there are areas in the country which which doesn't get enough tourist and they still you'll still get a taste of the the um, the authentic vietnam they the the food that they eat and the way they stay so i am hoping to be part of the a uh, tour of eastern ghats which is uh, like you said going from bhadrachalam in andhra pradesh to araku and vizag on the coast how much uh, do you suggest i ride every day because we are about 3 months away now so this is a good time to you know start off and uh, get in good condition for that yeah that's true this is the right time for you to start but um, we are doing about 600 odd kilometers in five riding days harsha and you are experienced tourer from the last year's horsley hills ride i think you should be fine only thing different this years are the climbs uh, so a bit of hill training it what i would recommend you uh, we have the lambasingi climb which is a 10 km climb we didn't have that long a climb last year and we i mean in the horsley hills ride and we also have the marakmalli ghat which is a is a reasonably long climb um but for a new rider i i i have uh, two suggestions to test them whether uh, or for them to test uh, themselves if they are ready for the tour the first thing is they should be able to do a century in under 4 and 1/2 hours 
Um, the, it doesn't mean that uh, they have to do it there in four and a half hours, but means that uh, that that kind of indication that they have enough power for them to con- conquer the hill. Mm. And uh, obviously, if you do a four and a half hour century on, on fresh legs, it is so that uh, that that doesn't translate into four and a half hour century there. It only means that maybe you start the ride strong and you have enough um, in your legs left for you to finish the tour. The other thing is to um, is to be able to do a century on two consecutive days, and not feeling too tired at the end of the second century. Mm-hmm. So, for example, they can do go ahead do a century on Saturday, and then you know, do another century on Sunday. Follow up with second century on Sunday, and then if they don't get too fatigued, I think they they are set for that. Just a little bit of hill training is what they need. So basically, you're suggesting a lot of uh, base miles. Uh, base miles are very important before mm-hmm. uh, getting onto the hills. Otherwise, there is a chances of injury that mm-hmm. might crop up. So, Krish, uh, thanks for coming and uh, talking to us. Uh, it was a pleasure, Harsha. Uh, hope uh, the viewers enjoyed the session. and We have listeners. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, so uh, all the details for the tours will be on the Bike Affairs website. So you can go and uh, check that out. Thanks, Krish. Thank you, Harsha, for having me here. Mm.